Korah chapter 7. Through all of our conversations, I had never really asked Korah much about her son. I really didn't ask her questions. She wasn't the kind of person you did that to because she didn't want you to ask her questions and she made that quite obvious to me. But this one just kind of random visit, I really hadn't intended to stay long. The reason for the visit was was absolutely mundane. Um, she loved these store-bought cookies that were chocolate chip and coconut cookies, and they were her favorite. And she kind of occasionally said, not always, but liked to dunk them just a little bit into her coffee. But either way, whether she, she also liked it, she said, with a glass of milk. They were her favorite. So I bought a couple bags because I knew she was out of cookies. So I popped in with them. And when she opened the sack from the store, I, there was just a flicker of something. Um, I, I, I couldn't really tell what it was. But it caught my attention. It, it caught my eye. There was a reaction that went deeper than I brought her cookies. And so I stood and I watched her um, get up from her chair and take them into the kitchen and remove them from the bag. And when she came back, something was going on in her expression and and I I just I had to ask so on this occasion I did because I wondered if she was okay with me bringing her cookies I, I I couldn't I couldn't figure out why the reaction to two simple bags of cookies and so I I asked her are is it okay that I bring you cookies or do you not like these anymore? Because sometimes we get tired of something and we don't want them anymore. And, and her, her voice kind of caught in her throat as she responded that she loved these cookies. And she was so pleased that I thought of her to bring the cookies. But she said, for some reason... Even after the time that had passed, it still brought her up short when she saw these cookies. She said her son that had died, and that was his special treat to her, that he would pop in and have a bag with bags of cookies in it. And it and she said the way that I came in and handed her the bag, it just brought all of that to the fore. And she said, you know, these things hit you at the most unexpected times, the loss of someone. You never know when when it will come, when the most minuscule thing will rip at your heart because you miss them and you want to be able to speak to them again and you want to be in their company again and you want to fight with them not literally but have disagreements about topics of mutual interest so I sat down and 
but this time I went in the kitchen and, and poured myself a cup of coffee and brought the pot in to the coffee maker carafe and, and refreshed hers as she sat down. And she's, and then she just started talking about her son. This is the one that she felt responsible, remember, for breaking up his first marriage. I'm sure it could have played a part in it, her behavior, but um, it had to be more than that, obviously. But still, she felt that. But she said there was something about him that she was always curious about. And it wasn't until after his death and again, we're back to this not knowing people, even those closest to you sometimes. Things came to light about her son that she did not know. She said she was curious during his fairly long illness. Well, he was sick for, it wasn't that long, it was about a year. He became ill, he lost a lot of weight. And nothing that she ever found out. There was never a real cause for it. And so she said, I still don't really know the cause of my son's death. But I think it was AIDS, she said, given what I came to know after his death. She said, on the day of his funeral, a strikingly handsome man walked up the middle aisle at the chapel and stopped halfway and gave him a big salute and said, I'll catch you later. And she'd never seen this guy before. She didn't know who he was and he vanished from the funeral and she never she never knew who he was until later much later he came to visit her and introduced himself as her son's lover and the, she found out they had had a relationship for many many years through all of his marriages, almost, not not all, but this guy was a constant companion, and he had photographic proof. He had photo albums, he had letters, he had recordings. He shared with her, with her permission, her son's secret life. And that meant this guy had nude photos. He had photos they shared. There was group sex. There was there were orgies. There were all these kinds. And he wasn't trying to hurt her. And he got her permission before he shared this with her. Was she able to handle it? Did she really want to know about his secret life? And she did and she didn't, she said. She said, I had to know. She said, I could not have let him walk out the door. 
and and not know. And on the other hand, it was very hard. It was very hard to hear and to see. And what he did, she said, before he left, he asked her if she had a metal trash can. And she did, actually, in the bathroom. It was a very, she'd had it for years and years. You know, one of these metal trash cans, old-fashioned, has a, like a, a flower on the front. And he asked her to put a piece of foil to line it, if she would, with foil, while he prepared for what he was about to do. And what he did was to put all of the suggestive, the nude photos, all of that in the trash can, and he lit it on fire. And it was, he kept it, you know, he had a glass of water nearby to, you know, to douse it if necessary, and he burned all of that. But he told her he could not burn the correspondence. He had to keep the tapes of them. He had to keep his voice. He said, I want to continue to hear his voice. I hear it in my head. And I want to hear it. So he said, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm keeping all of that. And she, she understood. And, and she wondered how he was. How are you? How's your health? And he was okay. He was okay. He was, at that point in time, uh, he was very much okay. And she hoped that he would continue to be, she said. But... She said it explained so much to her, not just the many broken marriages, but the so many other things became through his life. When she, after he left, and she had a chance to reflect back and to really think on how he really was, and she said her sadness about it was that he couldn't share that with her that that was one aspect as close as they were, that he could not share that with her, that he was unable to live his honest life, that he was unable to, to live his true life. But there was no way. Society would not have been kind, sadly. So she said that after the visit, she made him promise when he was leaving to stay in touch with her because she said it gave her a link to her son because she was certain that in reality, he had other loves. You can have many loves. The heart is so vast. It's just, it's just this incredible muscle and there's room in it for friends and, and and family members and distant family members and chosen family and all of that. So she knew that he had loved many in his life. But she really said she believed this guy was his really one true love. She said, I never used the term soulmate because I don't think that exists. She said, to me, that doesn't exist. Your, your life changes and you grow and you change and, 
and things happen. And and she said, you know, strangely, I was she said I was really happy to know that he had this joyous other life, this secret life where in the security and the safety of that world he could be himself. He could be the person that he felt he needed to be. He was born to be. So she said, while this stranger that walked into her door left as someone she felt she knew very well, brought her this incredible sense of joy and happiness in the most, she said, bittersweet heartbreaking, heart-wrenching way possible. She said she never shared the story with anyone because it wasn't her story. It was her son's story, not hers. But she wanted to share it with me because she said, I need to, I need to, to, she said, I guess, say to the universe that I am grateful for the knowledge of a piece of him that I did not know and that I came to know and I came to understand. And she said, the sight of those cookies in the bag just flooded me with a sense that sometimes she thought he sent her signs. He sent her signs to say, I'm okay, maybe, she said, or she said, today I took it as a sign from him for me to talk about his story. She said, telling the story gave it a real life of its own for him that needed to happen and still protect his privacy because it was his story, not hers.